Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Several years ago, I attended a conference in Washington, D.C., and as I was walking into the venue for the first session of the conference, there was a man sitting by the front door of the building. The man wore dirty and tattered clothing. He was pushing a cart that had cardboard and tarps, some aluminum cans. And as I got closer to the man, I could see that he was unkept. Though I didn't get close enough to verify in my mind, I knew that he would have carried an odor. Can you see this man in your mind's eye? I witnessed dozens of people walk by the man, including myself. The man never made eye contact with anyone, never approached anyone to ask for anything. But I also never saw anyone approach him. When we got inside and we settled in as the conference began, there was a a welcome, and as they introduced the keynote speaker for the first session, in walked the homeless man. He told us that he had been sitting in that place for over an hour as good Christian people walked by him, and no one ever approached him. No one asked if he needed anything. No one asked if he was okay. No one even offered him a good word. Not even a God bless you or God loves you. No one had stopped. The auditorium was silent. There were several hundred people in that auditorium and you could have heard a pin drop. And I remembered at the first break, I heard people talking about how they were upset by this stunt that they had pulled and I thought that was kind of interesting. But I can also remember thinking that the sound we didn't hear in the auditorium was certainly a sound of conviction. Maybe even a little bit of embarrassment. Conviction and embarrassment are always great motivators in our work here in the world, but never bring you contentment. They never speak of salvation. Now, I'm not here this morning to stand here to admonish you into a specific action or a challenge to you in how to use your money and possessions that God has bestowed on you. You actually know this pretty well. For the last several weeks, especially our gospel texts, we have heard again and again that it is these very things, our wealth, our money, our possessions, our status, it is all these things that become problematic in our relationship with God. But even more so, it is when we consider those things as God's favor for our having made good decisions or having chosen the right path. Because I would wager that if you really read this text and consider what it's saying, you could all easily draw a conclusion that you could do more for others with what you have But this is actually not really what this text is about. As we hear the gospel text for today combined with the text from 1 Timothy, what comes into question for me is our understanding of what wealth is and how we pursue it. 
St. Paul writes to Timothy in his letter to encourage him to seek things beyond the tangible. In this text, we even hear one of the most misquoted, or better yet, misused lines in the whole Bible. You usually hear it like this. Money is the root of all evil. But this is not what Paul says. What Paul says is the love of money is the root of many evil things. That's quite different. Money in and of itself is not an evil or bad thing, but it is our posture, our attitude about these things. And finally, how we love those things that begin to give us purpose, that we stake our reputations on, how we find our status in the world. It is these things that we begin to put our trust in and our hopes in. But in the end, they're meaningless. To find yourself content in the gains of the world puts you in a very precarious position when death comes near. Paul even reminds us of this, that we came into the world with nothing and we will leave this world with nothing because what we have does not make a difference when you lay in the grave. One of the parts that stands out for me in this story is where Abraham tells the rich man, there is a great chasm between you and us. The rich man responds, I beg you, go to my father's house. Warn my brothers so that they do not come to this place of torment as I am suffering. To which Abraham responds, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. From a very young age, I am sure most of you grew up knowing the golden rule. That is, treating others as you would want to be treated. This not only goes for those that we like, but for those we may not particularly like. And I know you probably also learned the Ten Commandments at a young age. This is Moses' voice in the world. The Ten Commandments are God's laws. And as I look around, surely most of you have spent a little bit of time here in church, so you have heard many of the lessons of the prophets which are always calling you into a life of obedience. Now, we hear these lessons and our minds start to try to figure out who we are in the story. We try to figure out the ethics between being rich and being poor, what gets you to heaven and what gets you to the place of torment. Because in Jesus' teachings, in his parables, we often hear that it is the rich that end up in a place of judgment. And it is the poor that end up in a nicer place. But in our gospel text, Abraham is in heaven. And I will remind you that Abraham was very rich in his life on earth. Incredibly wealthy. But it is not his wealth that makes him the father of faith. It is not his ability to give his wealth to those less than himself that gains him God's favor. It's actually not being rich that is the problem. 
Abraham was content in something more valuable than money in his possessions. And Paul is actually encouraging Timothy and us today in this same idea. What I want to challenge you with today is your sense of wealth and what it means in your life of faith. And again, I'm not talking about money and possessions. But I am talking about is wealth by being freed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because to know that is truly the greatest wealth that you can know and possess. In our story, the difference between the rich man and Lazarus was that Lazarus knew a promise. A promise that was more valuable than all the riches in the world. A promise that gave true hope. A promise that gave new life. Because to have the knowledge of and trust in God's promises and to know that because Christ has taken your sin on himself, he has gone to the cross and he has bled and died for it. He has died your penalty. This is wealth beyond measure. It is wealth that truly frees you to live your life differently than the balance of your checkbook. It is also a status that is more powerful than any other status in the world. And here's the amazing thing. You don't actually have to hoard it. You don't have to put it into a special account to let it grow. You get to give it freely and as much as you can and as much as you want to whoever you want. To share the riches of God's kingdom is not about money. But it is finally about Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ chooses you in your baptism so that you know that this promise is for you and you get to cling to it. But here's the thing. He also tells you you get to give it to others. You get to tell others of what that means and what happens in that moment. So I want to ask you a question. What difference does it make for you today to know that you live free of the penalty of sin? That you will not know death. That you know that your life is in Christ's hands for an eternity. Because this is truly what it means to be rich. It is to know heaven on earth. Which is to know forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus Christ. In this knowledge, the chasm between you and God has been taken away because your life is in Christ. And the chasm between you and sin and death and the devil has been greatly expanded. And this knowledge means all of the difference in your life of faith. So I say, now go. Share this great wealth with other poor people in the world that need to hear this. This is actually Paul's encouragement for Timothy for today. Fight the good fight of faith. In other words, fight for what is important. Because sharing the gospel is the most important work that we do. And is not only the work of pastors, it is your work in the world. To take this gospel message out into a world that longs for it, that is pleading for it. That is your work 
in the world. This is what we are called to do as followers of Christ. So I say to you, friends, fight the good fight of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen.